0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Agriculture podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason, where weekly we get together and discuss issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, farming. That's right. The business of agriculture. We talk about it here. We keep it interesting and we are so glad that you joined us. Today, I've got a former client and a friend and a guy that's a pretty sharp young man in the business of agriculture. I think you're really going to enjoy this discussion, because it's the first person we've had that came in from the seed business. You know, I do speeches all over North America for ag groups, and I meet a lot of interesting folks. Doug Hubner with Hubner Seed is one of those individuals. It's kind of neat to bring their stories, some lessons and perspectives from their aspect of the industry, what they do to you. So my guest today, Doug Huebner, Huebner Seed, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Damien. How are you doing today? I'm doing very
0: well. Uh, Here we are in this wonderful September morning in the Hoosier State. Looking out the window, it's a little hotter than normal. It's going to be 90 degrees uh, for September 20th. That's getting a little warm. But uh, you are in the seed business. You told me before I started recording that you're about 50% uh, harvested on the seed corn and about 12% harvested on seed beans. Give me a little background. Doug Huebner, Huebner Seed. Give me an angle on you
1: yeah Damien so um i'm a third generation uh seedsman uh in the in the seed industry I graduated from purdue in uh, two thousand and five with a with an agronomic business and marketing degree uh, from the wonderful boilermaker university best ag school in the in the country um, grew up grown up in the seed industry um, working all aspects uh, from uh, cross pollinations in our breeding uh, nursery. Back when I was in uh, elementary to, to high school, uh, production agriculture on, on the on seed corn production, detasseling, Spent many summers detasseling like many Indiana, Illinois uh, young young people. Um, and then into our production and processing facilities through through high school and college. Um, after college, I joined the family business in the sales and marketing side and. Have been in the sales and marketing side for the past 13, 13 years running, running the Huebner seed brand.
0: Yeah, now what's neat for the listeners today, because we always bring in different people and have different uh, you know different perspectives on ag. I've got a guy that's an employee of Monsanto. He's a farmer himself and a business owner, and also came from you know the private enterprise side where his family was in the seed business from you know three generations. So uh, that's what's neat. And incidentally, there's people listening to this podcast that are like in California growing avocados and say, what in the hell is detasseling? So my wife detasseled when she was a teenager because she's from west central Indiana, just in that area not too far from you, where a lot of seed corn is grown. I never detasseled. Tell real quickly a little bit about seed corn
1: production. Yeah, so in, in the seed corn production, we're, uh, we're crossing two. Two different plants, two different inbred corn plants um, where you take uh, the female plant or your seed parent and your male plant or your pollen parent and you have to remove the tassels out of the top of the the female seed parent so that it doesn't pollinate itself and you get the genetic um, DNA from the male parent crossed in with the female parent to create the hybrid that we're desiring to, hi- to raise Uh, for our seed that will be sold to farmers to plant the next year or that next generation
0: got it so what they do listeners is they go out there they have mowers right that like basically imagine a mower just like you mow your yard with except for the deck is way up high uh, on the front of a piece of equipment and mows off the tops of the tassels but then some of those uh don't get mowed off so you have to do it by hand
1: am i right Correct. So uh, in seed production, the, the tasseling, the machines probably take about 80% of the tassels. Um, but we have to have 100% uh, pull on the female plants. So you have people then that walk every acre um, pulling those tassels out of the top of those plants that were missed by the machines. Got it. So now, there, dear
0: listeners, you understand a little bit about the seed corn business, and uh, that's what Mr. Hubner is in. He was born into this. Uh, now, you're the brand manager for Hubner Seed. So let's go ahead and do a little history of Hubner Seed.
1: Yeah, we were founded in 1972 by my grandfather and, and my dad. And um, they both had uh, um, extensive backgrounds in the seed industry before they started Hubner Seed uh, that ranged back to the, the late 30s uh, with DeKalb, actually. Uh, my granddad was uh, was an employee for DeKalb in, in their production uh, division. So Extensive background in seed production, they decided in 1972 to move back to West Central Indiana, where my grandmother was from, and decided to start Hubner Seed and start selling, selling corn and, and soybeans to farmers in about a hundred mile radius. Local company, you know, family take care. They could do a better job of quality production in, in a local area. Um, a few years later, my uncle joined the, joined the family business and became their production manager. Um, Jim, Jim Hubner became their production manager. Um, he came from Trojan hybrids in central Illinois as a production manager for Trojan. So still more extensive knowledge coming back into the family business. Um, over, over the years though, you know, 46 years now in, in business, um, we've had to reinvent ourselves several times um, over that time. And we created three different companies um, over the past 46 years, uh, farming Hubner Farms, which is primarily seed production, seed corn and seed bean production. And then Hubner Industries, which is a contract production company, which does the, the processing, taking the, taking the corn from the field, um, conditioning it, taking out bad kernels, sizing it, and putting treatment on it and putting it in a bag for distribution to, to farmers. And then we had our own retail division. Called Huebner Seed Company, Huebner Seed Co. Inc., um, which was our which was our sales and sales and marketing company. So we had a vertically integrated company with that was made up of three different companies uh, with common ownership over over the years.
0: So you uh, this is this is probably very interesting to people that um, uh, okay you're like okay I get it you know you have farming so you get the farm and you don't grow corn for hog feed you don't grow soybeans for hog feed you grow seed for to go into a bag to be somebody's seed next year uh you used to grow that process it and sell it all yourself now you're teamed up with uh with monsanto right
1: correct and uh, over those 46 years back in 2007 actually uh, june 20th of 2007 um we we closed a deal with monsanto to sell our retail business, the Hubner Seed Co. Inc. business, um, to Monsanto. Uh, at the time, it was cons- the division was American Seeds Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, back back then. Uh, Monsanto was looking to put together a a multi-brand market strategy, and a regional brands like ourselves were a component of that. And we had a we had a fit for Monsanto because of our East Coast business. Yeah, um, let's
0: get into that. We we skipped over that, and that's a really important thing. So you're a West Central Indiana, almost Illinois company, growing seed uh, and and improving genetics to sell to producers. And and you guys knew that, and you knew how to farm it, you knew how to raise it, process it, size it, bag it, bag it process it, and get it in their hands. But In the early 2000s, you did something interesting. You talk about reinventing Huebner. You decided something silly by many people's standards. We think of corn. We think of Minnesota, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Nebraska. Those were five big corn states. You decided not to sell there. You decided to go to a part of the world that's a little less thought of as corn country. You went to Pennsylvania, New York, Maryland, Delaware, uh, Virginia. Explain that.
1: Yeah, um, in 2002, or really in around 2000, we start our business was changing, and we needed to start to really focusing on selling our seed rather than just raising seed corn for other people. Um, and we we saw an opportunity in the east um, through people and relationships that we had in the industry to start developing the marketplace out east and bringing uh, better, more focused selection to hybrids that worked for dairy farmers and grain farmers across the East, across the East Coast. Um, a lot of people see the East as a niche market, so it's not their primary markets. And we could focus in on that East being our primary market, being a smaller company, being a family-owned company. We don't have to have and be big like some of the major seed companies in the industry. And, and that showed to be a very competitive advantage for us um, and a very good thing to, for us to grow our business on. And and most people know that seed production has to be done in the Midwest. I got to raise seed in in the best growing conditions to get high quality seed. So there's not seed production done primarily in the East Coast. So being an Indiana company, but having an Eastern focus brought a competitive advantage for us. Got
0: it. So, yeah, you're, you're out here in a part of the world. I mean, obviously your business is located in the Midwest, but you said we're going to sell seed. Uh, and maybe it's overlooked. Now, granted, it's not overlooked because they always had to seed the plant, but it was never focused on it. You said we're going to make this our focus. We're going to go to Pennsylvania. We're going to go to New York, Maryland, Virginia, some of these places. And now the result is and this only happened seventeen years ago or sixteen years ago when you decided really to cultivate the East. Right now, what's your market position look like?
1: Um, we're the uh, third largest seed corn brand in the eastern market. Um we're in that uh 10 to 12% market share across that that east coast where we serve customers from Virginia up to uh up to New York. Fantastic. So
0: when you you made
1: the decision then in 2007 to take the offer from Monsanto, what did they buy? They they bought Hubner Seed Co Inc, which was our sales and marketing company, um, primarily made up of district sales managers, was the employees of that company. Um And owned the uh, the trucks and equipments and assets that the the sales organization needed to do business. Um, To
0: to, to all of my people, to all our people uh, listening, Doug. That that uh, because remember, sometimes non-ag people listen to the Business of Agriculture podcast, and uh, they've heard things like, "Oh, Monsanto, Monsanto owns everything." Factory Farm. Uh, Did you just hear what he said there, ladies and gentlemen? Monsanto bought a brand. Monsanto bought. Uh, some technology. They do not own one acre of his real estate, nor his processing facility. Am I
1: right? Right. They did not. They did not buy any bricks and mortar. It was uh, a brand, a, a sales and marketing focus, and really a, a customer centric uh, company that was focused on taking care of farmers uh, for their for the business.
0: So now you have a unique situation. You are the third generation with Hubner Farms. You're grandfather and uncle uh, and father started. And then uh, you obviously still are actively involved in the production of that product, uh, corn on those acres, but then you also work for Monsanto. So let's first off talk about your job before the Monsanto and your job after Monsanto.
1: Yeah. So, so prior to Monsanto, um, you know, being a, being young, being right out of college um, I was really focused on learning how to sell corn. And being in front of customers. So, first two years out of college was a was a whirlwind, drinking from a fire hose, um, selling belly to belly with farmers in central Indiana and central Illinois, is where I covered as a as a district sales manager for the company. Quickly, then uh, moved into being our sales manager, um, working with uh, with the marketing organization and other uh, direct reports um, for the company. And then we uh, 2007, we uh, we entered into the the sale of, of the Hubner Seed brand, and all of a sudden became part of a major, major large corporation. Um, but it never changed what I, how, what I went to do on a day-to-day basis. We were still servicing uh, farmers, delivering superior genetics, um, and taking care of, of customers. Um, so that was, it really didn't change my job when we sold. It was still the Hubner Seed brand, um, that we still maintain the Huebner seed brand today and the history of it with our customers. Um, so there weren't a lot of changes that took place at that point in time.
0: Yeah. And so now you have, the uh, the acres, uh, uh, that grow the seed for them and your, your, only customer is Monsanto, which is now Bayer, of course. Correct. Okay. So, uh, of the acres that you grow seed corn and soy seed, seed beans on, uh, all those are
1: committed, and you have a contract with Monsanto. Well, I'd say, so let me rephrase that. Not all of our acres. Hubner Industries, as a contract production company, it can raise seed corn for any, any seed company in the industry that wants corn raised for them. Uh-huh. Monsanto, now Bear, is the primary or one of their largest customers. Mm-hmm. They do have some other customers that Hubner Industries raises seed corn and seed beans form
0: we before we get into the your farming operation a couple of thoughts um, when you when you made the decision to sell to Monsanto obviously part of it was financial uh, there's a there's another reason uh, why not just stay out there why not just stay out there on your own as human
1: Absolutely. There's uh, several reasons. And when Dad and I looked at this, and, and by this time, uh, my Uncle Jim still owned part of the company, but he was not uh, involved in day-to-day management of the company um, when, we, when we were selling, selling the, the brand. Um, several, several reasons. Genetics. And performance at the customer level is is primary, the absolute number one top top priority. Because um, if you don't have customers, you don't have a business. And if per customers don't have performance, then they're not going to vote with their checkbook again next year. So we looked at the germplasm that the the Monsanto organization research and development team had. And it was, it was the best in the, in the industry, world-class genetics. We, we could still deliver locally. We could still bring a local flavor. We could do better selection and products for our customers. The second, the second piece is, is around an, another very important point, And that was, it was going to be good for our employees. It was going to put our employees in a position working for a company that brought benefits and pay to, to the organization that was probably better than what we could do as a privately held company. Um, so both cases, our customers were going to benefit from it and our employees were going to benefit from it.
0: I want, because we commonly do this, Doug, on the, and by the way, if you just somehow turned away, got yourself a Coca-Cola and you forgot, this is the Business of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Damian Mason, who makes a living speaking at agricultural events all over North America. In fact, Mr. Huber has been a client of mine twice. And if you're thinking to yourself, I want somebody to come in who's funny, who knows about the business of agriculture, who's loaded with commentary to talk to my salespeople, to my co-op membership to my customers, I'm your guy. Doug Hubner is a smart guy that's given us a lot of different insights that you maybe didn't know unless you knew a lot about this business. One thing that I like, we always talk about the business part of this, Mr. Huebner just said, we teamed up and took the offer from Monsanto, now Bayer, because they brought superior genetics. Genetics brings customers. Without customers, you don't have a business, and without performance, you don't have customers. That is really, really as spot on as it gets when you come down to the business part of it. You know, all the stuff that people forget, you don't have customers unless you deliver something to them that performs. And without your customers, you don't have a business. I thought that was a nice thing. I wrote that down.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, I've got, a, I've got a thing in my office that I, I look at every day. And it's a little poem. And it's, a, it's the customer is the name of it. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, you know, because the customer has a need, we have an opportunity because the customer has choice. We must be superior because the customer has urgency. We must act promptly because the customer has expectations. We must exceed them. And because the customer has memory, we must be legendary because of the customer we exist. Yes, uh, that's I think I think about that every day, and I have that in my office on my a wall above my computer, so that I can mm-hmm. see that every morning so when in I step my, into my. Office.
0: In my upcoming book, Do Business Better, which is at the publisher right now, I might add, and is going to come out this spring, I took an old Earl Nightingale quote. He's an author and speaker from the old days, and I modified it. and Basically, my quote is: Every dollar you're going to make for the rest of your life right now is somebody else's dollar. And if we always remember that we will be stronger as business people. Speaking of business, Kuberner is a regional brand covering those basically five states in the East and Northeast. What's it look like for regional brands? You know, how's, how's this going to play out? When I was a kid, you'd drive down the County road. There was all kinds of these little regional brands, regional back then sometimes meant like they covered two counties.
1: So what do you think? What's, what's happening? Tell me about the evolution. Absolutely. I think the, uh, the definition of local or the definition of regional has become a lot bigger than what it was 20, 30 years ago, obviously. Um, and we all joke, and you hear people talk about the world is getting smaller, right? I mean, technology has is invented, has is, is allowed us to communicate around the globe. You can, you can do video conferencing. You can see what's going on. So the world's getting smaller. What is local? What is regional? Um, is obviously a lot different today than what it was. I think the, the thing that we look at from a regional perspective is I think the future is very bright and, and looking at it. And I think about the beer industry, Mm -hmm. um, you know, microbreweries, the, the wine industry, having the winery experience and having smaller brand wines, people have a better appreciation for what their tastes are or for what their needs are and what their wants are. And as a regional brand, we're able to customize for genetics, specifically for the region we're servicing. We're not trying to service the entire United States corn market. We're servicing the East Coast corn market, and they deal with different weather phenomenons, different soil types, different management practices. That's that's a unique end that that those customers will continue to pay for and buy in the future because we're going to be able to deliver superior products into those markets, being focused in that in that area.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. First off, I like the comparison. Uh, My wife and I and another couple are going to uh, Southwest Michigan to the wineries. I don't even drink wine, but uh, the ladies do. So we're going to go to these wineries. I usually just walk around and look at the vineyards and check out grapes and learn a little bit about ag from that standpoint. So uh, there was never a wine tour in Southwest Michigan 30 years ago when you and I were young. Now there is. So there is a thing about local on the consumer side, But as you point out, the regional aspect of, say, seed corn and seed beans and seed wheat and seed alfalfa, I can name 10 companies that were here in my part of Indiana as a kid that don't exist anymore. There are still a ton of regional brands. But yeah, heck, back then, it would be that they covered one or two counties. Um, So you're you're tying in, you're kind of niching yourself. While you're doing that, seed sales. That's what your business is, seed production, seed sales. Does it eventually just go online? Are we going to end up having the Amazon effect?
1: You know, I think there's a, a component of customers. There's a, a customer segment out there that, that will buy that way. I think there's a, a maybe it's more customers, but not all, all of their acres. Maybe it's a percentage of that customer's acres. I don't see the whole business going that way. I think there's a, a lot of um, nuances in how farmers do business on the farm, what their management practices are, um, what the weather dynamics. So there's a lot of outside influences. And I think that local knowledge expert in their area is gonna always carry value, or I shouldn't say always, but in the next 20 years, next 30 years, will carry value to the farm to differentiate so that a big component of the seed will still be sold direct on the farm from salesman to, to farmer.
0: Or I think there will be a or niche
1: sales a niche or segment. Or women. I think it will be a segment out there.
0: So. Or, or saleswomen. You said salesman. This is in 2018 here on the Business of
1: Agriculture podcast. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Men uh, and I know, women. I know. You've so, got two
0: daughters and a lovely wife. I know that you didn't say that for any reason to be chauvinistic. Okay. Here's a question about that. Uh, There will be some seed sales that go online and we see these things popping up. And I remind my business, uh, my ag audiences, hey, you know, if all you think you're doing is selling a bag of seed, that's why I told your customer, or I'm sorry, your dealers, all you think you're selling is a bag of seed, you better reset your mindset because I can go online and buy a bag of seed. But as you point out, there's going to be a certain segment that does that. The truth is, we've always had. You used to do business. Your father used to do business with a guy. All his model of seed selling was, he was the cheapest. And he he had a warehouse and a telephone. So the internet doesn't change. There's still going to be people that buy the cheapest over the phone. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, You are a farmer in addition to your corporate job. Okay. Your operation over there uh in west central indiana you mostly grow seed you only grow seed except for if you have to do some uh, small changes what else do you do
1: so outside of uh, farming in the seed industry what else do i do <laughs> I know What
0: the farming in the, the farming is just for seed there's nothing else you're not growing hay you're not producing sorghum you're not out here uh
1: growing uh you
0: know you don't have a pig barn
1: it's just seed yeah. right Correct. Just just seed corn. Um, here here in West Central Indiana, we've got uh, Hubner Industries and Hubner Farms, which uh, is about a forty five employee operation, um, raising raising high quality seed. So our guys and our, our management team at Hubner Industries is is very experienced and very veteran um, to the industry, and does a does a great job of of producing the highest quality seed on our on our farms
0: uh you've got employees on that farm you have ownership in that farm your father has ownership in that farm uh are you going to expand what, what's the idea where do you want to go down here on the on the road with the farm
1: yeah so our uh, our farming operation has has been expanding um has been growing over over the past uh, 10 years pretty extensively um we've been picking picking up acres uh, and buying acres in some places when the opportunities present themselves um, there's a, there's a huge opportunity out here in, in agriculture As Damien, as you know, you know, average, average farm age is, is up there in the upper fifties, low sixties, uh, for the average farmer. And there's not many people at 35 years old, um, in production agriculture. Um, so as landowners see opportunities or need a new tenant, I think there's, there's definitely an opportunity and we'll continue to, to grow our farming operation as, uh, as we see fit and also, uh, as we pick up more customers in seed production and more acre, more needs for people to package seed for. Do
0: you ever see yourself doing anything aside from seed production?
1: Do you see yourself growing something else? Um, I'm not going to leave that outside the outside out. Um, I think there's a big opportunity there. Um, I think the, uh, we're in, we're really in the specialty crops business. If you want to look at it, I'm, we're not in the Commercial production um, to sell yellow number two corn to the elevator. Yeah, that's um, we, we understand uh, labor-intensive practices. We understand um, identity preservation on products. So, as uh, as specialty crops, I could see definitely niches in us raising other crops in the future um, for consumers um, in specialty in specialty crops. I have a I have an interest kind of a sideline interest right now in learning more around the whole um, urban farming and the the vertical warehouse and vertical farming in in warehouses and, and stuff. I think it's very intriguing process um, that one day maybe we could see maybe in the future being in in that line of work as well.
0: That'd be a big departure from what you do right now, but I agree with you. There's probably some opportunity there. I wonder if it's going to be so capitalized because that is a sexy I mean that's that's sexy to tech people. That's sexy to Silicon Valley, big money, Google type people, where they think they're saving the world by saying, I started a company that takes old warehouses in Chicago and we grow, you know, spinach in it. Uh, that's sexier than saying, Oh, I went to West Central Indiana and just bought 160 acres and we're gonna grow seed corn. So <laughs> I, I I think it's probably a crowded market there. All right, I had other questions prepared, but I don't like to go too long because our wonderful listeners here in the business of agriculture do have to get to work as we all know a couple of quick things uh i'm not happy about the uh the glyphosate settlement that happened a week or two or three ago out in california because there's this argument uh, from an environmental standpoint and the environmental wackos that really are are going to steal some money and some technology from us in agriculture do you worry about us losing our tools losing our arsenal through environmentalism or lawsuits
1: yeah i've got i've got concerns on that um definitely something that uh has affected us already i mean we've lost products or had products not come to market because of regulatory issues um previously and i think we will continue to face those um Kind of headwinds moving forward in, in agriculture, uh, I think we have to do a better job bear Monsanto previously Leg- legacy monsanto bear now and many of the other large corporations do a lot of external outward promotion or or talks on it, um, but I think at the end of the day we 've all got to take in agriculture a a more proactive and more, a bolder stance on what we do um, because we 're raising cheap economical food today that's safe with what we're doing and we have to have these tools to help us continue doing that. One of the the benefits that we all have as, as United States citizens and as Americans is we spend less money on food than any other country does and if we change that And we lose the tools in production agriculture to raise that and continue doing that uh, we're going to see a major change in in america
0: well the point i make of course is the average american has had it so good for so long
1: that they don't realize when they
0: bite the hand that feeds them they that's why they can march against monsanto and rally against uh you know chemicals and whatnot because they're not starving remember uh the person in uh sub-saharan africa doesn't give two hoots in hell if there was glyphosate used on some food. They would just like to have a bowl of Cheerios. Uh, all true. right. Doug Hubner, Hubner Seed, talking on the business of agriculture. I learned a lot. I know you learned a lot. Let's learn one more thing. He's a sharp, sharp guy. One lesson, one idea, one thought. Anyone in the business of agriculture can benefit from hearing. Give it to him.
1: Yeah, so I love, I love this thing. It's uh, get comfortable being uncomfortable. I heard it a, a long time ago at a meeting, and it really resonated with me. We're in a, in a period of change in agriculture. we got to be very focused on what we're doing. You mentioned it earlier. There's a lot of people that are looking at our, our industry to invest money, to be a part of, um, from a tech, from Silicon Valley. Um, in agriculture, we need to make sure that the people that are here, that we're comfortable being uncomfortable, adaptive, changing with times, and, you know, and I think the, the piece of that is how do we collaborate together? Agriculture has been a lot of independent people, a lot of independent businessmen that want to do things their way. We got to be open minded and and make sure that we're collaborating with each other to bring the best um, products, the safest products, utilizing technologies of all aspects to uh, to help our business so that we can continue to deliver the food uh, fiber and feed that our, our company or our country needs and the world needs. You know
0: what? That's some good stuff right there. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. This industry is changing. That's I could have done a better wrap up myself. Doug huber was my guest with Huebner Seeds. If you're in any of those five or six states we mentioned, look them up. They're a client of mine and also a guest here on the business of agriculture. Till next time. Thank you. We'll keep it interesting.